Think about a time when you visited a local museum, art gallery, library or heritage place. Did you ever wonder what the curator would choose as their favourite item? Would it be a photograph, a letter, a piece of art, a book or an object? Welcome to My Favourite Item, Unravelling Brisbane's History Piece by Piece, a podcast brought to you by Brisbane's Living Heritage Network. In each episode, join me as I step inside a different Brisbane-based heritage place or museum to learn more about this city's rich and unique history, as I ask each guest to choose just one item that shares a story about Brisbane that they love. In this episode, Bill Kitson, retired senior curator of the Museum of Lands, Mapping and Surveying, joins us to talk about his favourite item. Hi Bill, thanks for joining me. Hi Kirsten. Before we begin, can you tell me a little bit about the museum's collection? It's a collection that relates totally to Queensland. It relates to surveyors and cartographers. The starting date is 1839 when the first three surveyors came to Moreton Bay to open up the settlement for free selection and it finishes about 1950. So within that range we collect uh, material that relates to our early surveyors and cartographers. Most people think it's a collection of sextants and compasses but it's not. Uh, we have a great social history collection because uh, these 900 or so people that we research to find their relatives to get the material have their diaries, their letters, their uh, paintings, their poetry, uh, all that sort of stuff. We have over 9,000 photographs since 1860 from these relatives of these early surveyors and cartographers. How did you come to acquire these items? Because I think that's a fascinating part of this story. Yes, well initially I sat in this new museum in 1980 in a nice room with some physical artefacts around me that had been in the department since the 1880s and waited for people to belt a path to my door to donate but uh, got nothing. And a librarian friend of mine said, uh, why don't you go out and find all the relatives of these people that created this history? So. We bought ourselves all the births, deaths and marriage records in uh, Australia. We became a, a genealogical society. We had the names of these people and we used the births, deaths and marriage records uh, to find living relatives. And uh, you'd ring them up and say, hey, are you related to surveyor blogs? And uh, they'd say yes, and we've got his this and that, and would you like them? So realistically, you're the driving force behind this museum collection without your efforts in tracing the history and talking to the people that were part of the history of surveying, we wouldn't have this museum. That's, that's true, yeah, that's very big-headed of me, but uh, it, it's really quite simple. When I came out of the field, I was a field surveyor for uh, 20 years, and uh, I was supposed to get into management, so uh, I said, I'm not interested in management in this department, and they said, what are you going to do? And I said, uh, I want to start a museum. They said, oh, if you must, go away and do it but don't tell us. So that's how we started. Uh, they left me alone for 28 years. I'd like to say that I built a museum for the benefit of the community, but the point be known, I wanted a job I could actually stand going to five days a week for the next 35 years, and that's what I got. With such a diverse collection and so many wonderful stories, this must be a really hard question, but what item have you chosen to talk about today as your favourite? Surprisingly enough, it's not a section or a compass. You'd expect a surveyor to grab one of those. It's a topographic map. This one we have here is uh, the 
topographic map over the area around the Brisbane airport done in 1889. For, for those people who don't understand what topographic mapping is about, there's basically two sorts of maps. Cadastral maps, which relate to property boundaries. Topographic maps, of course, relate to the topography of the country. They show the built environment of what man has created as well as the heights and other features. Has this map always been part of the museum's collection or did you actually actively seek it out? This was in our plan, survey plan section with the other cadastral survey plans. It was buried in a couple of million survey plans and uh, some cartographer actually found it and said, oh, have a look at this that's in our collection. And from there, of course, I thought, well, there's got to be more. In fact, if you look at the bottom left-hand corner of this map, it says to the left of this there's a sheet over Nunda. And that's when I went looking for the others of the series. So how many maps have you actually collected that were part of this set? Unfortunately, I've never found the sheet to the left of Nunda, but I've certainly found the other two. Uh, one over the mouth of the Brisbane River at Lytton, Fort Lytton, and the other one down at Cleveland. This one, of course, is over the airport side at Eagle Farm there. When we actually look in the bottom right corner, we can actually see who created the map. Can you tell us a little bit about this person? Who was he? We in the museum here anyway, not only do we have the artefacts, but we try and build up a story about them. Uh, artefacts by themselves sometimes can be very boring, but uh, this brilliant map uh, in colour was created by Lieutenant Edward Cave Owen, topographer of the Queensland Defence Force. And of course the Queensland Defence Force in the 1880s was Queensland's army. All the colonies had their own armies. And uh, I thought, well, it's such a brilliant map, I want to know more about Lieutenant Owen. Well, the best way to do that, of course, is to uh, do his family history. So I did my usual birth, death and marriage on Lieutenant Owen. I found a birth certificate for his last child born in Queensland, uh, and on the certificate it said, Father gone to Western Australia. So I thought, that's a nuisance. I don't operate real well in Western Australia. So I thought, well, how do I solve this? Well, nature took its course. A lady came in from Western Australia a couple of weeks later who was researching something in Queensland. I helped her. She was about to walk out the door and she said to me, if I could ever help you, I'm in Western Australia. I grabbed her, sat her down and I gave her this question. I said, can you find relatives of Lieutenant Owen who went to Western Australia in the 1890s? And she said, I'll do my best for you. A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from her. She said, I found him. I said, how'd you do that? And she said, well, I put an advertisement in the Perth main newspaper and we found his relative. And she said, here's the phone number. So I gave this lady a ring and she answered and it was a fairly elderly lady. And she said, you're looking for relatives of Lieutenant Owen? I said, yep. And she said, well, I'm his daughter. Now, this is the 1980s. And I went silent. She said, I can tell by the silence you're calculating how old I am. And I said, yep, that's what, he, what I'm doing. And she said, well, put your mind at rest. He came to Western Australia, remarried, had another family, and I'm the last one left. And I think she was in her 90s, well into her 90s by then. But the good thing about that conversation, of course, is that we sent her stuff that she never had. She sent us material that we never had. But she had a picture of him in his Queensland Defence Force uniform there, looking rather suave. So not only do we have a map, we have his life history. He went to the Boer War. He enlisted as an old man. He, they wouldn't take him in Australia, so he sailed to South Africa to enlist in the Boer War, where he made more maps more topographic maps. What process did Lieutenant Owen follow to actually create this map? Because when you look at it, it's incredibly detailed. How do you go about creating a map like this? In the old days, of course, it was by triangulate, what we call triangulation and uh, plane tabling. He visited every spot on that map. He established on tops of all the hills survey control points by normal survey methods. 
and then he would traverse from those stations down along the roads uh, that existed. You, you've got to remember that uh, there was no topography on any of our early maps, but there was plenty of cadastral information. Banan boundaries, these portions had been surveyed, these farms that you see here had been surveyed in the 1840s and 1850s, so he had that network to start with. So he tied from all his control points by this plain table method, where a sheet of drawing paper's on a big flat drawing board sitting on a tripod in front of you, and you're actually radiating in points on this map. And he traversed all over this area and put in the cadastral boundaries as well as the topography, taking heights and things like that. Those that study geography or maybe for some of us recall studying geography, whether or not we enjoyed it or not, <laughs> um, might remember that there are many different types of maps and you've spoken about the type of map this is, but we're going to touch on its purpose. Like why was this map drawn by someone in the Queensland Defence Force? Yes, that's, 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 that's a great story because uh, in the 1880s and possibly the 1870s, there was a scare of the Russian invasion of Australia. Uh, it was in all the newspapers. Somebody had seen a battleship of the Russian Navy somewhere off the coast or something. You know what rumours are like. I think the closest the Russians ever got physically to Australia was Afghanistan. But anyway, uh, Queensland Defence Force, the Victoria and the New South Wales crowd prepared these sort of maps over the principal harbours like Victoria, the Port of Victoria, Sydney and in this case uh, Brisbane. Fort Lytton was the first map uh, published and that's of course right at the mouth of the Brisbane River. So if the Russians were going to sail a battleship up there, we knew exactly where to fire our cannons and that sort of stuff. We're seeing a lot of you know, information about vegetations, roads, heights of land. Why were these kind of details really important to the people that were afraid of this Russian invasion? Why did they need to know this information? You, you see on the map all these butte swampy bits. Uh, it says here you can't take infantry across this swamp. With a bit of luck you can build this bridge up and cross this area. The heights, of course, if you had to shoot a cannon over a hill, you knew exactly how far... Uh, how high the hill was so you could aim your guns above that sort of thing. It's full of uh, uh, military type information as well as other UB, other bits of information that don't really have much to do with military at all. What does this map reveal about this area of land back at that point in time? They revealed that the area was heavily farmed like there's vineyards here Mark, there's sugar mills, there's um, orchards and uh, other agricultural pursuits going on so it was a highly uh, intensive agricultural area at that time. The, the map uh, also uh, goes into great detail in other interesting things. Uh, botanists are very fascinated because up on Cribbo Island at this date of the publication it shows dense lantana there. So lantana had got a hole in Queensland and certainly on uh, Cribbo Island uh, by that date. So what is so special about this particular map? Why did you decide to choose this item to talk about today? I think it's clarity. We produce topographic maps today of course, uh, right, we have right from the 1900s, but uh, it, it's such clear detail. It's not, probably it's not cluttered because there's not a lot happening. It's in colour, which is, uh, which is good. It's not just a black and white map and it has all these historical sites on it there. Family historians love this map because they can pick out this area, it shows the orphanage there at Nudgee. It also shows the area that the German missionaries were in this area back in the 1840s. And they were the first people to, of course, they grew grapes there. So this orchard over here that's growing grapes is probably a, a throwback from that uh, thing there. And you can see people's names in yes, here. You know, the, names like... of, the names of the farms, the girlers and all those sort of people. So uh, 
it's a, it's a, it's a wealth of information for family historians. Uh, it also shows the islands uh, in the Brisbane River, which aren't islands today because we've filled in one channel and it's now became constant land, only a main channel of the river which we navigate up and down. Being a geography teacher in a former life, what I really love about when I look at a map is the fact that they tell us so much about where we've come from because as you said, they tell us the growth of Brisbane, they talk about the family history, they talk about the military history, they talk about how much our land has changed over time. And you get a real sense of what Brisbane was like. And even when I was looking at this image a couple of weeks ago when it was first sent to me, you instantly get those connections because you see Toomble Road and you go, oh, like I was driving on Toomble Road the other day. So you get that kind of connection that even though this map is over a hundred years old, some of these things have just transcended time and are still so important to Brisbane society. Toomble Road is still a massive thoroughfare. When they uh, revamped the, uh, the airport there, the new uh, international terminal years ago, and they're going to build this beautiful new terminal, they asked people to uh, have, make some suggestions. I was going to get this as a mosaic in the terminal up on a wall there because this is the exact site that the airport runs over there fell in a heap of course, that never got going, but it would have been nice to see this magical colour map right along as a, a mural on a big wall in there. Such a beautiful piece of art history. It's art, it's yeah. art, it really, besides being scientifically accurate, it's, uh, it's a piece of artwork. How are you preserving this map so that we can continue to learn from it and people can continue to access it? Uh, along with our survey plan collection, all our maps and survey plans are sort of uh, now put away forever probably because they've all had high resolution scans done on them and also the fact that the rooms that we store these maps and survey plans in are all fireproof so while the rest of us burn in the building when it burns down the uh, last remaining stand will be the map room which stops any fire from make, making these disappear. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of My Favourite Item, unravelling Brisbane's history piece by piece and discovering more about Bill's favourite item, a topographical map created in 1889. As Bill said before, you can view many of the maps online because they've been digitised. But Bill, we're actually recording this podcast episode in the museum itself. Can you let us know how people can find the museum and when is it open? The museum is at 317 Edward Street, uh, close to the Central Station and beside the City Council car park. And the opening hours are Monday to Fridays, 9.30 to 4pm, and it's closed on public holidays. Bill, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been really lovely recording this with you. Kirsten, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. You can find out more about the organisation that I'm part of and that the museum is a member of by visiting the website blhn.org. You're also welcome to leave a comment, subscribe or share this podcast on your social media platforms. What will be the next favourite item? You'll have to tune in to the next episode to find out.